Hey everyone, welcome to Season 3, Episode 16 of the Centennial Podcast. Today we're going to be talking about how the Suns fared in their five matchups following the All-Star break. We're going to talk about Formington's solid season, how he's doing so far, what future Gadette has with the club past this season, and then we'll talk about uh, the Blues, the Sens, reflecting on the trade that was prior to the preseason with Sanford and Logan Brown swapping spots on the Blues and Sens. So uh, we'll kick it off with the Sens. Over their last five games, they were three and two after the All-Star break. And it was a lot of games and a lot of nights. Pretty sure they played like five games in seven nights or something ridiculous like that. Uh, so we'll kick it off there. And uh, yeah, Bennett, takeaways from the, the five games that the Sens played recently. Yeah, um, it was a little bit of a mixed bag, I think, okay? Eh? Because uh, we had a few impressive and less impressive wins sprinkled in there. You know, we had really impressive wins against New Jersey 4-1 and Washington uh, just on uh, Sunday 4-1 as well. We had a slightly less impressive win against Carolina 4-3 um, on midweek last week. Uh, and, you know, that was a game where we played really well from the start, but then slowly let them back into the game and it ended up being a little bit of a nail-biter that it probably shouldn't have been. Uh, and then kind of like sandwiched between those two wins and then that win against Washington was a rough two games against Pittsburgh and Boston where we got blanked twice in a row, uh, you know, uh, zero to two by both of those teams. Uh, so that was that was kind of rough. Um, and uh, yeah, so it was it was a tough it was an interesting stretch uh, because, you know, we saw, you know, kind of like the team that we have looked like we can be at times and we've seen the other team we can look like we can be at times, which is like we're either like competitive and with it and able to beat just about any team in the league or we're just like complete nothing, crumble into dust, like get, you know, shut out by teams, even if they're playing at like half speed. And that's kind of been the way this season has gone, depending on the week or the month. So it's kind of interesting. And uh, I have a little bit more to say here about, you know, injuries and the impact that's having on our season. Uh, but I'll let other Matt jump in here first. <laughs> I mean, I think you hit it out of the park there, Bennett. Um, I think the, the last how many games we played, we had a, a three-game win streak for a little bit then get shut out by, uh, by Pittsburgh and, and Boston and then followed up with a, a good win over Washington. Um, I think one of the key things from all of those games was good goaltending. Like it was, the, it was the thing that won the game, frankly. Um, and even yeah, we in never the conceded Pittsburgh more and, than two goals in any of those games. Uh, other than the Carolina game. Yeah, yeah you're, oh, sorry, you're yeah, right. Carolina, you're but, right. Um, but still pretty good. Yeah. Carolina is a hell of a team. So, um, it's just, it's crazy. You know, we haven't had really good goaltending since, uh, Craig Anderson was in his prime. Um, and now we are, which is kind of weird. <laughs> I'm not, uh, I'm not used to it. And so it's been amazing seeing Murray bounce back. Uh, you know, Forsberg still still playing pretty well. He lets in the odd crap goal from time to time, but it is what it is. Um, I think Murray's now sitting at a nine twenty two save percentage league wide, which has got him in with some some pretty awesome company uh, in the NHL standings. Having good goaltending wins you games. Having a good goaltending keeps you in games when you have crappy offense. Um, it's been terrible losing guys uh, to the injuries that they have been. But 
Murray has really uh, like righted the ship for himself, but the team as well. Um, you know, we're still going to be a, be a bottom 10 team and there's no doubt about that, but, um, just knowing that, um, Murray has been able to sort of find his game again and, and, and become the goalie that we've seen him do, uh, in, in Pittsburgh, it's been great to see. And I'm really, really happy for him. And I think goaltending has had a lot to do with how the penalty kills improved too, because prior to December, I think uh, I can't remember what the stat was, but the Sens were like 28th in the league in the penalty kill. And then since December 2nd, the Sens are second in the league in penalty kill. So that's huge. Like that's just a massive improvement. And I think you have to credit goaltending with some of that because, you know, uh, we like to talk about some of the, the weak goals that Forsberg has let in over the, the last month or two, but for the most part, he's been consistent. Like he's put yeah. up a good effort almost every game. Uh, the game against Washington, he played fantastic. Uh, you really yeah. can't complain about a game like that. So I think no. there's something to be said for, yeah, definitely the goaltending. And it's nice to see special teams come around too. Uh, power play, I think, has only been weaker because when you don't have Batherson or Norris in your lineup, those are two huge guys on the power play. So you're gonna you're gonna sink somewhere when you lose a couple of, of big players like that. So um, yeah, I think the, the thing that was quite noticeable was the Suns were like, okay, four goals, four goals, zero goals, zero goals, four goals. <laughs> and yeah, so, yeah. and so it goes back to, yes, they have injuries that'll play a factor, but it would just be nice to kind of see some consistency. Um, like they were, I think had the longest streak in the league over the last couple seasons of not being shut out. And then this season alone, I think they've been shut out three times. So, I mean, not saying that they're not going to have shutouts. It's going to happen, but it'd be nice to not have back-to-back shutouts. Um, it'd be nice to see the guys really try to, to at least pot one, you know? Um, and I know it's easier said than done. I'm not a pro player, so <laughs> I can just be like, yeah, go, go score a few. But uh, it would just be nice that while the star players are out of the lineup, you see some of those more depth pieces step up. Um, yeah. I think Connor Brown's done a good job. Nick Paul's done a good job. Formington, uh, they've all really stepped up and, uh, and, you know, gotten some goals, gotten some offense going. Um, Cadet is another one and and we'll talk about him in a little bit, but uh, yeah, I think coming through scoring a little more often, especially when Murray gives you two excellent starts, you got to be there for him in front of him and, and really yeah. show some offense to, to help him out. But mm-hmm. that's really, that's my biggest take, I guess, from uh, this past week. And speaking about Formington, or Bennett, did you want to chime in? Yeah, sorry. I just want to circle back to injuries for a second. And this is a conversation that we had offline this week. But um, it's really frustrating, I think, as Sens fans, um, because we knew that we weren't going to be a great team this season. Um, and, you know, whether there's disagreement about whether we'd be like closer to a playoff spot or further away, more of a lottery team, what what have you. Most fans understood like this was not really like a year where we were going to be pushing for it. But this was a year where we really needed to get some answers to some important questions about where this team is heading and what this team has and what it doesn't have. And what's frustrating for me is that because of the injuries and everything, we're not getting answers to those questions. Um, Like we need to know what is the ceiling for a guy like Batherson or Norris or, you know, what does Stutzler look like when he's surrounded by decent line mates? 
Or can Matt Murray, you know, help put this team into a playoff position if he had a competent team around him? And it's really difficult for us now because we're going to be going into another offseason and another season coming up after this, after a number of disrupted seasons. And I feel like we still don't know a lot of really important things. And the fact that, you know, Batherson is out for months now. Norris has been out for weeks and will continue to be out for weeks by the sounds of it. Shabbat is missing tonight. And this is all happening at a time where we're actually getting good goaltending from Matt Murray. Uh, what does this team like look like when all of those guys are healthy? And not to mention, you know, Pinto is playing and White is playing and stuff. And Murray is playing decently. The answer is we don't know. And that's not a good thing to not know, just because not just because we want to see the play team play well and we want to see them be good, but you know, it makes it really hard to plan for the future because we don't know what pieces we might still need or need to yeah. go out and acquire, or yeah, yeah. we don't know who we need to be drafting this summer necessarily. Um, because we don't know, like Bassison hasn't played a full season in, in the NHL. He's been yeah, yeah. great this season, but he was great for 35 games, and that does not like a like a like that is not like a bona fide. Like you can take that to the bank. He's going to be a point per game player forever. Now guys can be brilliant for 30 games and then disappear for the rest of the season. It happens all the time. Yep. And now this season is just going to be another question mark for him because like, we're not going to know if he can hold that kind of production up across the season. We hope that he can, but yeah. we'll never know that. Now we don't know if Norris has 40 goal potential because he was on that pace and now he won't be. And it's just like, Oh, there's still like a lot to analyze here, but it's just frustrating because you yeah. do have, yeah, you have a point. And I mean, it's like Colin white, you know, this summer is the last summer where the sense can buy him out for like a third yeah. of his, his contract money. And Colin white's been injured the entire season. The Sens don't know. Okay. Do we have a yeah. depth center? Do we have a depth winger? Like what is and Colin he white got hurt last year too? Yeah. So it's, it's like, like, what do yeah. you, what do you do with Colin white? You know? Uh, and again, like Shane Pinto, he's played less than 20 games in the NHL. Everyone really likes what he can project out to be or, or what his ceiling potentially is, but we don't truly know because he's just been injured, you know, and, and I'm not sure really when he's coming back, he might come back near the end of the season, but I don't think that's going to give them enough time to really evaluate how he fits into the lineup next season. Right. They don't know if, yeah. okay, he's going to be our, I don't know, a top six winger, or is he going to play center and Stutzler go back to the wing, you know? So that's, that's another question that's left unanswered, but I guess we'll, I, we'll find out in due time. Yeah. I think, I think Bennett, you brought up a, a really good point that none of us have the, the, the plan here. If, if we're going through Lord <laughs> of the Rings terms of, of what's going to be coming, um, you know, we can see that, you know, Brady Kachuk is very much a top six, top six winger in the NHL. He's going to be able to be good for putting up, you know, 60 points a season. That's awesome. Josh Norris leads the team in goals this year and did so last year, I believe, um, or was, you know, just under Connor Brown. Um, that's great. We can see that he's a top six center, but we just, we're, we're still waiting to see the rest of his potential. Is he going to be a bona fide goal scorer in the league or is he just a, a trigger man on the, on the power play? Drake Batherson, is he going to be a consistent uh, point producer? That's another great question, but I would also say this defense 
this revolving door of defensemen that come in and out of the lineup. Like, I mean, Shabbat has been a mainstay all seasons, uh, except for a couple games here and there. And tonight, I think DJ has Mete and Zaitsev as the first pairing. Um, and those are two guys you would expect not to be on the team moving forward. And they're your first pairing. Um, yeah. You know, the question marks with, with the, like the, the volatility of Brandstrom stock in the Sens fan base is ridiculous. This guy makes one mistake and he's being like, has people jumping down his throat. Um, you know, if, if, they did the exact same, if they did the same thing with Stutzla, it would be, you know, nobody would have any confidence in them. These guys are going to make mistakes as, as young fellas. And, um, we need to see what Brandstrom can do, uh, going forward with, uh, with the defense here. We want to see what Jake Sanderson's going to be able to do. Um, once he gets here, uh, Nick Holden and, and, um, Artem Zub, those that's a solid pairing that we haven't had in uh, like in the Senators organization for a long time. They're just two really stable guys. Holden's gone after this season and and Zub well uh after next season. After next season and then Zub has one more year or two more years. I think you know next year is so important to to determine what we have in this team but if if we don't have a good idea of what next year's team and the future's team looks like by the end of this season i i just like the the faith in pierre dorian just like keeps creeping out of the building um you know i know i expect you know zach sanford's gonna be gone um you know Dylan Gambrell is going to be gone. Austin Watson is going to be gone. All of those guys that are just sort of uh, middling in our bottom six. Um, because, you know, uh, a guy like Mark Kostelik is coming up and and making, making himself uh, a solid fourth line option. It's good to see that. But, you know, what do we have? What are the Ottawa Senators? Can we all stay healthy? Can we all have good goal- goaltending? Because frankly, like, if we don't have that <laughs> and we don't have the consistency, like, we're just going to be doomed to, like, go through it over and over. Yeah, for sure. Well, <laughs> we'll pivot from that and we'll look at uh, some of the positives of the season. And one of the ones that is definitely uh, a huge positive is Alex Formanton. Uh, I'm not sure what your guys' expectations were for him coming into the season. I thought he'd be a great third-line depth option for the Sens uh, before they ran into injury trouble. And then, man, injury after injury comes. Tim Stutzel moves to the center, and all of a sudden, Formanton finds himself in that second-line left-wing spot. And I think he's been making huge, like, positive use of his time there. Um, he's got 11 goals, 11 assists on the season. So that's 22 points in 42 games. So very solid, honestly. Uh, and he's just looked so good beside Tim Stutzla. And this is with him having minimal power play time. Uh, I looked it up. He's had 34 power play minutes the entire season. Just to put that in comparison, uh, Brady Kachuk 
also playing left wing has like 131 minutes on the power play. So in almost a quarter of, of the time, um, and Formanton still has like 22 points. Uh, so I think that's something to be, to be really talked about, you know, three shorthanded goals as well. And, uh, yeah, other Matt, what have you thought about Formanton's game so far this season? Well, I mean, I can confidently say that one of my hot takes at the start of this season was that Fermentin was going to be scoring 23 goals. Um, and if he continues to do what he's doing, I think he's going to come in at like 22. Um, he is impressive. He has a lot of skill that I don't think a lot of people knew about. Um, he, he, like, I mean, he has speed, which blows the doors off of, you know, 95% of the league. Um, and if he's able to finish those breakaways, he gets almost on a game by game basis. Like he's going to be able to score goals. So the fact that he has, has the skill to sort of couple into it and he gets to play with, you know, an electric player like Jimmy, um, it's awesome to see, uh, because they, they drafted Fermentin uh, relatively high, believe he was a second rounder yep um so they they saw something in him and i mean even if it was just speed like my god he's fast nothing wrong with uh drafting a lightning mcqueen you know exactly um and i think i think it's been really nice to see uh his game really really formulate this year and and he's he's a stud defensively as well and I think that's what makes him such a valuable commodity to this team and finding chemistry with Fermentin. Now they just need a right winger and, and call it a day. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Fermentin was having a really good season. He's a huge asset to this team. Uh, he kills penalties. He he can actually play up and down the lineup. Uh, it's, you know, as we discussed last week, it's something that gets thrown around a lot. But, you know, in his case, it is true. He can play on the power play and not look out of place. He can play in the third line and provide some excellent speed and kind of like uh, dynamism lower down in your lineup. And he looks perfectly at home on the second line playing alongside Stutzla. Uh, and, you know, his speed is a nice compliment to Stutzla's own speed and his skill set. Uh, it's been great. Uh, the point return has been, has been pretty good. Uh, you know, he had a slow start to the season, but recently he's been, you know, nearly a point per game player. And uh, yeah, the, the one big question mark about his game is his finishing. I mean, like he could have like 20 goals already this season uh, with all of like the chances that he gets. Uh, I'd love to see him put away a few more of those breakaways. And then I think he's, he can elevate himself from kind of like a, a good middle six player who can hurt you, you know, sometimes like a five and five, sometimes on the penalty kill, you know, wherever to a guy who can be consistently effectively effective offensively, you know, on the PK at five on five, maybe get him some power play time. You know, it, we want to see Formington. I think he's capable of this. We want to see, see him moving from a guy who has an impact in parts of games to a guy that has an impact all throughout the game. Uh, Cause I think he's certainly his, his speed and his, his hands and his instincts are really strong. And I know that he's capable of it. We just want to see him take the next step. He's taken a step already this season and I think he still has like more room to grow. And uh, I'd love to see that from him. 
Yeah, I definitely agree with you there. And earlier I mentioned that Matt Murray and goaltending in general was a huge part of the penalty kill. You have to put Formington up there too. Like the amount of breakaway chances he gets shorthanded. Like I said, three shorthanded goals this season. He's always a threat. And, you know, like you said, if he can just finish on some of those chances, even like half of them, yeah, I think that 50%. he would. Yeah, I think that he would have like at least four or five more goals this season. Uh, so, Definitely, I think he's been a bright spot for the team. Absolutely. So before we get to the next part of the episode, uh, I just want to thank everybody who's watching or listening. Uh, We really appreciate you tuning in. And uh, for those who are watching on YouTube, uh, we want to thank you by doing a giveaway of a 2020-2021 Upper Deck Tim Stutzler Green Dazzlers card, which Other Matt has so graciously offered to uh, give away. So... That's the beauty card right there. Ooh, shiny. (laughs) It's a dazzling event. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So so all you have to do to get in on the giveaway is to subscribe to our YouTube channel and then just comment, uh, you know, either whichever topic you liked for this week's episode or a topic that you would like us to talk about on a future episode. So just do those two things and we'll do a giveaway uh, probably at the end of the week um, sometime during the Ottawa Senators-Boston Bruins game on uh, on Saturday. So get in on the contest. We appreciate you watching and good luck. From there, we'll move on to another depth player who's looked pretty good for a waiver pickup and that would be Adam Gaudet. So, so far uh, in 17 games of the Sens, He has four goals, five assists for nine points. Uh, He's 25 years old. And my question to you guys is, past this season, what is his future with Ottawa looking like? Do you think he's here for another year? Uh, What kind of, I guess, future does he have with the Sens or maybe in the league? And I'll kick it off with you, Bennett. Yeah, I think he's brought brought something to this team. I'm not going to... He has, you know, nine points in 17 games played. Like, I'm not going to say that he's you know like a superstar but like he he has brought some like flair and some offensive upside to a bottom six which is which is helpful and he has put together some really nice plays uh throughout this season uh we saw that beautiful setup that he had for i think it was tyler ennis to put that goal away uh, a couple weeks ago and it was kind of like a highlight reel you know play from godet to set it up uh he's got a couple he's had a couple of really nice goals himself he's looked like an effective player, uh, obviously, like when you have a guy who you picked up on waivers and he plays in your bottom six, you know, have like slightly like more limited expectations for them. So I was just talking about Foreman to now. I think he can be effective player, you know, every game in all periods and all parts of the ice. I don't have those same expectations for good at. We picked him up for nothing. Uh, you know, literally the nine points he gave us are like nine free points, basically. Uh, and I think that he can continue to provide some like occasional contributions offensively. And that's great. And he hasn't been, I don't think a huge liability when he's been on the ice besides. So uh, I would not hate to see him stick around uh, for, you know, the medium, the short to medium term with the sense. Uh, if we assuming that we can, you know, like keep him around at like a deal that makes sense. Yeah. And I think initially when the sense picked him up on waivers, he didn't do too hot. Like, he, he had a couple of bad defensive gaffes. I know in the first game, he had that nice power play goal, but uh, I believe he also had two really bad shifts. And then they moved him to wing. And I think, think since moving him to wing, he's been 
better suited for that position. And it's just kind of complimented him more to allow him to kind of do more on the offensive side and maybe not have to worry too much about the defensive side. And uh, I know uh, we talk about plus minus with a grain of salt here, but uh, plus two in his 17 games in the sense, that's honestly not bad for a depth guy. Um, I'll take it. And uh, yeah, that's, that's really all I wanted to add, but uh, yeah, Matt, what do you think? I I think, I think you guys kind of hit it right on the head. Um, He's one of the few depth guys that we have in our, our bottom six that I, I would want to keep around. Um, However, you know, I, I would, and am looking forward to him playing with uh, Ferment and Stutzla this evening. And I know that they've had uh, good chemistry in games previous. So it'd be really nice to see if there's a potential fit there going forward. Um, just because if you can find a fit internally for that right wing spot on the second line, like he produced at a good pace last year um, and then just couldn't, couldn't find a spot in Chicago. I mean, who would want to stay there anyways? Um, so him coming here, uh, and then getting the opportunity to play on the second line with, with, uh, Stusla and Fermentin could be, could be excellent. Um, and we can sort of see how it looks going into the end of the season. But, you know, if he's, if he's sitting just above a half point, a game sort of, uh, sort of clip, um, that's, that's really good to me. And if you can keep him around, give him maybe some stability, like a, a short, uh, like a smaller term deal that doesn't cost us a whole lot. Like him Ennis, Nick Paul, um, those are guys you want to keep around. Yeah. Um, whereas, you know, your Gimbrels, your, your Austin Watsons, um, Sanford, you know, Tierney. The, yeah, yeah. Sanford, Tierney, Clark Bishop, like all of these guys are expendable. Um, and as it goes back to the point, like we want to start seeing the, the rest of the team formulated in the next, uh, in the next little while here and start trading people away, <laughs> you know, uh, I, that's get some assets. And I mean, I know Pierre Dorian didn't seem to uh, acquiesce to that request, but um, do it. Just, I think he, just get, we talked about it a little bit last week. It seemed like he started to come around to it. Cause he did say like some guys they would bring in draft capital for, I think it was just more so like, that's not the only thing they're looking for anymore. They want to make deals kind of like the flames did where they got to fully, he's got two years remaining on his contract. The Sens, I think, want to do stuff like that, where they can get a guy who's locked in. But, I mean, I don't want to get away from, uh, taking away from Gadet's little segment here. So, um, I mean, if if I was Dorian and I was re-signing him, I think giving him, like, a cheap, uh, either, like, a one-year deal at, you know, just over a million, or around that mark, 1.1, 1.2, one or two years of that, I'd be totally fine. Because that way, even if he becomes a scratched forward due to internal growth or, you know, somebody else who comes onto the team via trade or free agency, that's still a cheap contract, easy to to bury if need need be. Um, Or if you need a, a guy like that in the lineup, he really works wherever you slot him in, you know, uh, as long as it's not in like a heavily defensive role, I, I think he's a fine player to just pop into the lineup. So. Absolutely. Yeah. So 
in honor of the Sens and Blues playing their first game of the season, we're going to take a little look-see back here and, and go to preseason when Ottawa traded Logan Brown and a conditional fourth-round pick to the St. Louis Blues for Zach Sanford. So, so far this season, Zach Sanford's played 45 games for the Sens and has seven goals, seven assists for 14 points. Not blowing you out of the water with those numbers, but... Uh, that's what it is. And on the other side, Logan Brown has played 17 games, uh, three goals, three assists, and he's being a healthy scratch tonight against the Sens, which is too bad because I think it kind of would have been nice for him to play against his former team, but it is what it is. Um, so we're going to take a look back how it's worked out so far for both players. And also uh, I'll let other Matt take the, the reins on this one, but Sanford had some comments in his presser today prior to the game, and, and we'll just touch on those as well. So uh, first things first, like uh, I'll let Bennett kick it off with looking back and and what do you think about the trade after 45 games? Uh, yeah, no, um, it's uh, it's a trade. I mean, this is a one. This is one that like there really isn't like a huge amount to say. Really, uh, you know, we traded Brown for Sanford and uh, there's a conditional pick that we sent their way. Am I remembering that correctly? A fourth round pick. And it's like, if he plays over X number of games, then we get the pick or they get the, I don't know. So, so it's if Logan Brown plays 30 games this season, then Ottawa gets the pick back. So he needs we to only play third. Yeah. So he only needs to play 13 more games and then Ottawa gets their fourth round pick back. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah, like you said, Logan Brown being a healthy scratch in tonight's game. Uh, he's got, uh, you know, six points in 17 games. Uh, neither of these guys are setting the world on fire. Um, I remember around the time that we traded him and immediately before we traded him, uh, I didn't really think there was like an NHL player there. Uh, I I think that we're seeing that play out. Like he's not setting the world on fire in St. Louis. He's out in there out of the lineup. Uh, I think like the writing was all on the wall here that we didn't think he really had a future with this team because for every flash of high-end skill offensively that he would show, he'd be invisible for like the next like 55 minutes. And uh, I could actually say something similar of Zach Sanford in his time here in Ottawa. I mean, like he... He had that one hat trick earlier in the season, which was kind of like unexpectedly hilarious. Uh, but I mean, otherwise, like defensively, he's been not great. Uh, he's been one of the worst on the team for those metrics. Uh, and, you know, he's offensively very like streaky, inconsistent. Uh, it doesn't really do a lot. Uh, every now and then he gets slotted in on the power play and I just kind of like heave a sigh because it's just like, just like having just like a body on the power play. Um, anyway, so I mean, like I'm, I'm starting to like really harsh on this guy. Like he's not like, <laughs> he's not terrible, but it's just like his acquisition doesn't like matter to the sense. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, it doesn't like, move whether or not whatsoever. he plays for this team literally is like immaterial. Like there's a million Zach Sanfords in the league and they all yeah. get bounced around and they play 30 games here and 40 games there for whatever team they have like, you know, like 12, 13 points and they get moved on. It's just, he's one of those guys. He's just, yeah. he's just a guy that'll play for this team until he doesn't. Yeah. And then we'll never think about it again. I, I, I look at it. It's, it's funny because, you know, all the time Zach Sanford has moved up and down the lineup for the Sens. I just kind of think back to the, 
way that they probably could have just played Logan Brown there the whole time. Like, I understand he didn't want to play here anymore. And like, why would you after the amount of times that you haven't been given an opportunity to succeed? And I mean, like going into this season, the writing was on the wall for the guy because he just like mailed it in. Like he didn't care about playing for the Ottawa senators or, or at all in their organization. So uh, it made sense. I think the most valuable asset in the whole trade is that fourth round that pick, pick right now. <laughs> yeah. like, like that, that Which is not something you can pick. usually say. Exactly. <laughs> like, I mean, Zach Sanford coming here was a marginal, like bottom 12 forward. Um, he would like have streaky uh, games and like, that's about it. He did. He's not overly physical. He's not amazing defensively. Like you could take one without the other. He's basically like a crappier version of Nick Paul, um, yeah. <laughs> who doesn't do anything that Nick Paul does. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then, you know, today he said like, it's been hard for me finding a role here, moving up and down the lineup. And I think it's like, man, you got some big balls having to say that considering like, what you've never scored over 15 goals in your goddamn career. Like just I think he has, I think okay. it was if six, it's 16, 16 yeah. goals, like, okay. <laughs> it was, it was so 16. It's, it, like he's not coming in here to be expected to be a top winger. And frankly, if he's expecting to do that, he needs to play better in all fa- facets of his game. Yeah. Um, he's not going to be here long-term. And then he clearly, he, he said like, you know, I was born in the States. Um, I I've always lived there and now living in Canada, it's an adjustment. And like, I understand uh, you're living in Ottawa where sometimes it gets to be minus 40. Um, And like that does suck, but at the same time, it is what it is. I think uh, with the COVID situation, it's made, um, players less likely to be playing in, in Canada if they don't have to be. And I mean, if he's gone by, you know, three weeks from now, awesome. If we get an asset for him, great. I just, I don't see it happening. Like he's a marginal player at best. The fourth round pick is the most valuable part of that deal. And Logan Brown, like he, everybody was like, oh my God, he has five points in six games and he has six points in 13, like, or 17. Um, Logan Brown's biggest detractor was himself. Like he didn't put enough effort into things and mailed it in, in some scenarios. And that's, that's why he's where he's at. Yeah. I like like would, lo- with Logan Brown, like I, I know we've like discussed this at length before, but I just want to reiterate the point that like I know that like things could have been handled better by the organization yeah. here and there, but you cannot look at a team that you know gave Norris the one C spot last season right out of training camp when he had like six NHL games under his belt yeah. and say they don't give opportunities to young players. Yeah. Like yeah. Josh Norris fucking took it. And yeah. Brown never Chain did. Pinto took Chain it. Pinto took yeah. it. Yeah, like these guys had like you know single digit NHL experience and yeah. started the season this past year, like this season as the one and two C on this team. Like you cannot yeah. sit here and tell me that like Logan Brown was never given a shot. Yeah, and and even like Alex Fermentin and Drake Batherson, 
Like yeah. they probably, oh, they over-ripened in the AHL and then clawed their ways to being like top six forwards. Yeah. Even Nick like, Paul had to really claw his way yeah, to get to the lineup. Yeah. But I so, mean, I, I want to, if I, if I go back to like refocusing on, on Logan Brown and Zach Sanford, I also think the parallels between the two players are really funny. They're both big players. Logan Brown's 6'6", six, six, Sanford's 6'5". Six, they're both not physical he's really six, at five? all. Yeah, Sanford's a Zach big Sanford is 6'5"? And Lord. that's what I'm saying. He Him, plays like a 5'11", like, yeah, I don't like, know. Like, oh, yeah. boy. So, so anyway, so Sanford and Logan Brown, almost the same size. Both don't use their bodies to their advantage. They're not physical players, perimeter guys. Uh, Logan Brown has, has a lot of skill that we did see flashes of in Ottawa, but... Um, I will give him credit. The blues have a deep lineup and it is going to be tough to really make yourself be a regular in that lineup. But let's not forget he was put on waivers earlier this season and nobody claimed him. And I think that really says something about the league's perspective on Logan Brown. So I think that has to be taken into consideration. Um, I will say that, the one difference that I do see between Sanford and Nick Paul, just because that was brought up, I do think that Sanford does have like more flashes of offensive creativity than Nick Paul does. But I think because Nick Paul kind of can really do anything, you put him in whatever situation, that he's just the more useful player. And yeah. you'll see games where Sanford is like, does like a couple nice little dangles and, and gets a sweet pass off or, or a scoring chance. And you're like, oh, damn, okay, where'd that come from? And yeah. then, yeah. yeah, there's like five games in a row where I can't name one notable thing he did on a shift. <laughs> if you uh, gave, or like in a game. You know? If you gave Zach Sanford, like Nick Paul's like effort level and attitude, like he would probably be like a top six winger. Yeah. And I'm sure like, like other Matt said, you know, he has reasons, I guess, bouncing up and down the lineup. Yeah, that sucks. You can't really build chemistry with people. Adjusting to a new country. Totally get that. That's, That's not, yeah, yeah it's, it's tough. Um, but I, I don't know. I think at the end of the day, if the Sens can trade him out, it's nice that he has a Stanley Cup under his belt because I find a lot of the dinosaur GMs love that crap. Gets so. you, gets <laughs> you a long way. So yeah. like I every time I hear people like hockey analysts or whatever talking about it, they're like, Yeah, like the Sens could probably flip him for a third round pick. I'm like, man, if the Sens flip him for a third, that is solid. Like, remember yeah. when they flipped Nemesnikov for a fourth? Like they traded a fourth for him and then got a fourth back. Yeah, that that's miraculous. Like like Nemesnikov deserved, you yeah. know, a higher pick than Stanford. Yeah. But, but I digress. Um, I think that, like I believe Bennett said, like it, it's just kind of a, a bit of a wash of a trade. And if the Sens get that fourth rounder back, then beauty, they can use it and, and uh, draft a guy who might end up being a, a depth player who fits the role that Sanford is. So, yeah, um, or maybe a Drake Batherson. Oh, <laughs> but uh, yeah. Uh, thanks everyone for listening or watching today's episode. You can find us at the Centennial Podcast on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Um, uh, I'm on on Discord as I always say. Uh, you can find me there, um, and on Reddit where we post all our episodes and uh, and we do summaries of some of the interviews on TSL TSN 1200 of players and GMs and all that stuff. So uh, follow us or find us on there. We appreciate it. Thanks so much for watching and go Sens go baby.